One of the greatest paradoxes in Judaism is the balance and synthesis of the natural and the supernatural. That's why the first mitzvah that we were ever given is the mitzvah of a lunar calendar. This year, it coincides with Parashas Tazria, which is very, very interesting and somewhat paradoxical. Become a shonim many years. So often, Parashas Achodesh, the special reading about the mitzvah of Achodesh, coincides with Parashas Tazria. So everything in Torah must be absolutely precise. Therefore, the fact that these two parashas can coincide implies that there must be a common theme between them. If there was no common theme, the Torah, which is absolute truth, would never have put them together. So theoretically, they have a common theme. On the face of it, they actually seem to have contradictory themes. First glance implies, It appears that not only do they not share a common theme, To the contrary, they actually appear to be contradictory themes. How so? So let's start. How did Parashat HaChodesh get its name? Because this is the parasha that talks about the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh, of establishing a calendar based on the lunar cycles. Chodesh Nisan, that started by Hashem giving us Chodesh Nisan. What is the theme of Chodesh Nisan? It's the month of redemption, and specifically, where it's all Hashem's initiative from start to finish. As the Pasuk says, tell us that this is the Pasuk in Shirashim which says, This is the voice of my beloved that comes to me. Hashem comes to me and doesn't just come. How does he come? Skipping over the mountains. Which implies that Hashem short circuited the, the period of time that it was supposed to be in Golos. Bisarusa Dila the entire experience of Nisan is divine initiative. All from above. Which is why the entire section is all called Parashas Achodesh. Despite the fact that only one Pasuk, yes, of course it happens to be the first Pasuk, but one Pasuk out of the entire section speaks about the calendar. Whereas the rest of the paragraph speaks about how to prepare for the Korban Pesach, etc. Because it's all the same theme. The reason the Korban Pesach was called by that name is to imply that Hashem skipped over their homes. Which implies the type of Geula that was beyond the regular steps and processes that you would expect. It's completely Hashem's initiative. As the expression goes, that Hashem appeared to them and redeemed them. And all of that is, all of that is the theme of Nisan, which is the month described in this parasha, which is the month of redemption. So what's the theme of Achoydesh? Divine initiative. Hashem starts the ball rolling. Hashem controls the process. Now let's compare that to Tazria, which seems to carry the opposite theme. Tazria is a feminine verb. As the Pasuk says, a woman who will give seed, who will conceive. 
What does it mean a woman gives seed? Very well known that Alter Rebbe explains in the Kutetera, the expression is that when the man gives seed first, the child will be a girl. Whereas, whereas if the woman gives seed first, the child will be a, a boy. So the Rebbe explains, Man and woman in that phrase, as in many places in Torah, is metaphoric for the man being Hashem and the woman being the Jewish community. And therefore the message is, where Hashem initiates the relationship, Hashem gives forth seed, so to speak, first. Which means that, why is the person aroused to serve Hashem? Because Hashem inspired them. Then the product is weaker, it's feminine. It's not going to be lasting. In other words, when you rely on external inspiration in order to motivate your service of Hashem, it is an unstable foundation. As the expression goes, that women are easy to switch their, their way of thinking. They'll accept a, a different perspective. So you'll accept a different way of doing things. You commit yourself to serve Hashem and then it kind of wanes. Whereas, when the woman takes the initiative, which means that the beginning of the process of serving Hashem is personally driven, not relying on inspiration from on high. Then it's a lasting type of dedication to Hashem. So if that's the case, then that means the Parashas Tazria conveys the theme of human endeavor without first being inspired and sparked by God. Which is the exact opposite of Parashas HaChodesh, all about divine inspiration. How then can the two of them come together? How then can they share a common theme? It appears that they have opposite themes. So in order to understand this, we're going to analyze the difference between the concept of a Chodesh month, which is what this parish is all about, and the broader concept of a Shana, a year, which we speak about in other places in the Torah, and again also appear to be two contradictory systems. Commenting on this Pasuk that says that this month Nisan will be the first of all the months of the year, there are various commentators, we're going to look at two. Let's first look at the simplest explanation. Who is one of the classic commentators on the Torah says, What's the difference between a month and a year? So he explains, The moon's cycle has no concept of an annual cycle. There is no annual cycle for a moon. Because the nature of the lunar cycle is you can only distinguish between months. Because what is a lunar month? 29 and a few fractions of a day. And in that time, that is a full orbit of the moon. Even relative to the sun's position relative to the earth. The moon does a complete cycle in 29 and a bit days. And that's when you see a new moon. But there's nothing in the lunar cycle that distinguishes one year from another. So lunar cycle equals month cycles. Whereas when you look from the sun's cycles, 
the sun has no cycle that has any bearing on months. The annual orbit of the sun is 365 days and 6 hours. And it follows the same pattern that create the four seasons with the equinoxes and the solstices. It has nothing in its normal natural cycle that would suggest any influence over the months. So the Evan Ezra points out the moon is a purely monthly cycle and the sun purely an annual cycle. Based on that, he comes back to the Pasuk. The Pasuk that tells us Nisan will be the first of your months. That tells us how you start counting months. Nisan is one, year is two. And this is something that is only relevant to the lunar cycle. As the Gemara tells us, that is our calendar. It starts in the first month, which is Nisan. Whereas if you're counting years, that happens in Tishrei, which is the seventh month on the month cycle, and the shift of the years on the annual cycle. That's the Evan Ezra. Now we'll look at a Medrash. Medrash. So the Medrash explains commenting on this Pasuk about beautiful Medrash that says when Hashem chose to create a world Hashem set within the natural cycle of the world the beginnings of months and of years. And later on, almost two and a half thousand years later, when Hashem chose Yaakov and his family to be the chosen people, then Hashem instituted into the world the beginning of a different kind of month, a month of Geula. Now, the Balo Akeda, which is a more Kabbalistic book, says, what's the difference between Hashem choosing his world and Hashem choosing his people? He explains, when it says that Hashem chose his world, that means that Hashem chose at the beginning of creation to have a natural order that would be what defines creation. And the month of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, would be the beginning of the natural cycles. But when Hashem chose us as his people, that's when Hashem chose to introduce miraculous cycles into the world, like Yetzias Mitzrayim, the Exodus, which break the rules of nature. Who does Hashem do miracles for? He does it for us, Yaakov and his children. And the beginning, the head of those cycles of the miraculous nature-busting realities, that is Chodesh Nisan. Okay, so the Eben Ezra says, what it's telling us is that the moon only has monthly cycles and the sun only has annual cycles. And the Medrash is telling us that from the beginning of time there was a natural order which commences every year at Tishrei. And at the time of choosing the Jewish people, there became a supernatural order which commences annually on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Now, those might seem like completely unconnected, disconnected commentaries, but anytime that you have multiple insights <coughs> from the Mephorsh and from Chazal on a single Pasuk, it means that there is something that links them. In our case, it's actually pretty clear what the link is. 
These two concepts. On the one hand, the distinction between how the sun is an annual cycle and the moon a monthly cycle. And the fact that the Medrash tells us that Tishrei is the beginning of the natural cycle, whereas Nisan is the beginning of the miraculous cycle, which are contradictory. It's all linked together. The nature of the natural cycles that Hashem made is that they are consistent and they never fail us. They are consistent and predictable. Great example is the solar cycles. You know hundreds of years in advance exactly what the sun is going to look like at a particular day of the solar calendar and that's where it's going to be. It's actually alluded to in the word Shana, which in addition to meaning a year, also means Milosh Mishnah, something which repeats. Because it's a single orbit of the sun that consistently repeats itself on an annual basis. That is nature. It's a process. You mix these chemicals together, you will always get the same reaction. But when you talk about miracles, miracles are unexpected, something new and innovative. There are certain times where Hashem suspends the natural order temporarily, and that's similar to the moon, where the light of the moon is different every single day, and renews as a new moon every single month, and that's why Chodesh, the word for month, is related to the word Chodesh, which means something which renews. So there's the link. Why are there two different cycles? Because they represent the two different methods of how Hashem runs the world. The only thing that should immediately jump out at us is it seems like there are mixed metaphors both in the Pasuk at the beginning of Parashat Sachoidesh and in the Medrash that we've quoted on it. First of all, look at the Pasuk. It speaks not only about months, which is what you would expect because we're talking about the moon, which is a lunar, a monthly cycle. Both things are mentioned. First, it tells us what we expect, that this month of Nisan will be the beginning of all the months. And then, it adds that, it's the beginning of the months of the year. In other words, the Pasuk is implying, not only is Nisan the beginning of the cycle of months, but it also has some kind of leadership role in the months of the year. That doesn't make sense. Seeing as Pasha Sachoidesh is speaking about the nature of months which are dependent on the lunar cycles, as the Ebenezer told us, the moon has no annual cycle at all. How could the Torah use an expression that Nisan is the beginning of the months of the year? The moon has nothing to do with the year. And you're going to see the same thing in reverse in the Medrash. When the Medrash describes that Hashem chose to create a world and within that world have a natural order, which is of course relevant to Tishrei, the Medrash doesn't only say Hashem set up a cycle of years, but also of new months. So why on earth and how does the concept of Chiddush, of innovation, of miraculous, of supernatural fit in the narrative about the creation of nature? And that must lead us to understand that they're not as mutually exclusive as we'd believe. Therefore, we have no choice but to say. 
Even though in the most broad strokes, Tishrei is the month of nature. And Nisan is the month of miracles. There must still be a synthesis between them. Meaning, even in the natural order, before the Jewish people enter the scene and miracles start to happen, already there's something miraculous within nature. And the same logic applies the other way. The fact that Hashem chose Yaakov Abonov, the Jewish people, and now introduced miracles to the world. is something you will not only see play out in the miraculous times of the year, but you'll actually see a shift in the natural experience of the year. Now that might not seem to make any sense, so let's understand what is nature and what are miracles and how do they bring us to serve Hashem better. Let's dig, dig a little deeper into these two streams, the miraculous and the natural. Both streams are necessary to achieve why there is a world and to help us appreciate Hashem's greatness. But obviously in different ways. Nature will express Hashem's greatness one way and miracles another way. What is the difference? It's quite obvious that the purpose of miracles is to represent to us how Hashem is beyond any restrictions. In other words, when a miracle happens, you recognize that Hashem is completely beyond anything that occurs within the world. How does the world sense the fact that Hashem is completely beyond the rules of the world? Because the rules are broken. The miracle breaks the, para- the, the, the parameters of nature. And that then becomes evidence to us that the natural order and its rules have no bearing on Hashem. So we recognize that Hashem is beyond the world. What do miracles do? Teach me that Hashem is supreme and in control. And what is the purpose of the natural order? The purpose of nature is to recognize Hashem's involvement in the world. To the point that we see that the world itself is not distinct and separate from Hashem, but rather is one with Hashem. Until eventually you realize that nature is actually divine expression. Not only miracles are divine expression. Nature is divine expression too. Seeing as the whole purpose of creation was to serve as the Torah and in turn the Jewish people. Therefore, we must conclude whatever's happening in the natural world has to not only reflect in but be dependent on how we serve Hashem. Which indicates you'd expect that miracles are related to the Jewish people. That that's when Hashem chose us and therefore started to do miracles. So not only is that dependent on our input and efforts. In other words, Hashem does miracles when we do what we're supposed to. Even the element that Hashem chose, the natural order, 
that's also equally dependent on our service of Hashem. And that's why, for example, the Gemara tells us that the Torah was given on the sixth day of Sivan, which was hinted to already by right at the beginning of creation, because the creation of the natural order waited for the Jewish people to commit to Torah in order to validate its existence. So if we, through our avoider, motivate for miracles, and we, through our avoider, consolidate nature, then there must be something in our avoider that is miraculous, and something in our avoider which is natural. Which means you could divide the experience of Jewish dedication to Hashem into two areas. The first and foundational element of being Jewish is absolute acceptance of Hashem's authority and willingness to sacrifice everything for Hashem. That's a dedication to Hashem that is not created out of my understanding and not dependent on my sentiment. That's where a person commits themselves to Hashem out of complete submission. When a person submits, a person lets go of themselves, then clearly that avoider does not have the limitations of self. It's not limited to what I understand. It's not limited to how I feel. It's not limited to what I think I can do. So that kind of bitl, complete dedication to Hashem, without question, that's what generates the miraculous input from Hashem into this world. When we submit and surrender self, that motivates Hashem to surrender the rules of nature in favor of what He wants. But on the other hand, the entity called the human being, what a person feels and what a person is able to dedicate themselves to, also has to be filled with a sense of serving Hashem. In other words, it's not good enough to say, I completely disappear from the picture and just follow Hashem as some kind of uh, android. The purpose is to integrate dedication to Hashem into my mind and into my sentiment, into my reality. And that's why it's not sufficient just to serve Hashem out of absolute blind dedication. We also have to learn and understand and appreciate what Yiddishkeit is and we have to feel it. When we do that part of our Judaism, that's what motivates the natural order to be aligned with what Hashem wants. That it's not just a natural order, but that there's a synthesis between the natural reality and the divine consciousness. So there's two ways to serve Hashem. And again, very much like you think that miracles and nature are at loggerheads and Tazria and Achoydash are completely different themes, it's probable to think that Masiris Nefesh and understanding or experiencing my, Jew- my Judaism are two completely unrelated ways to serve Hashem. And that's not the truth. The goal of everything in Judaism is synthesis, is unity. In our conversation, we're looking for the synthesis between the natural and the miraculous. The reason we believe so strongly that the natural and the supernatural are completely exclusive, mutually exclusive, 
is only true at a level of divine reality that is revealed elements of divine energy. Where those different uh, radiations of divine energy split into different channels. There's a particular channel called the miraculous, which breaks and supersedes the rules of nature. And there's a different channel, which is the channel of divine energy that has been calibrated to work in the structure of nature. Two different channels. You can't be in that channel if you're in this channel. That's when you're talking about oirois, that which the energy that radiates from the source, from Hashem's essence. When I examine Hashem's essence, bligvul ugvul, the infinite and the finite, the unlimited and the limited, in a base coven are no longer two channels when you're looking at the essence. It's one reality. All, it, all they do is they both express Hashem's perfection. As the expression goes, If you were to suggest that Hashem only has infinite power, and not finite powers, you'd detract from Hashem's perfection. So just as you take white light and shine it through a prism, and it becomes a rainbow of colors, the rainbow of colors are not different channels. They're all expressions of the incredible ability of light. The fact that Hashem can break nature and be within nature are not two different channels. They are the same theme. This is Hashem's truth. This is Hashem's perfection. If I take a look at a deeper level, whether it be nature or supernature, it is all an expression of Hashem's ability. So in which way will the ultimate essence drive behind a motivation for creation play out when the natural and the supernatural coexist, harmonize, work together? Express the same thing. And you'll see this in human experiences. What does the Torah expect of us? A harmony of two different ways to serve Hashem. What does Torah expect of us? Complete dedication to Hashem that is beyond the, the rational mind and at the same time to resonate with that same service of Hashem in a rational way. How do you think that's possible? It's not possible unless you can activate the essence of your own soul. The essence of the soul, much like the essence of Hashem, doesn't have different channels. It's all an expression of a single unified dedication to Hashem. If Hashem needs me to submit, I submit. If Hashem needs me to feel, I feel. It's no contradiction. I'm doing what Hashem wants. So now that we understand that at the deepest level, nature and miracles are actually the same thing, just an expression of divine truth. So therefore the way they pan out in the world, which to the naked eye looks like two completely different ways of running the world in interaction and channels, the truth is not what meets the eye. The truth is the, 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 the unity that runs beneath the surface of both of them.
וזה בא לידי ביטוי גם בכך שבטבע עצמו ניתנה תכונה דלמיילה מן הטבע כדי לקמון סיפטס, and that's why we're about to explain that in nature you'll identify elements that look supernatural, ועל דרך זה לידך שעניין הנס כושר גם עם הנהוגת הטבע כדי לקמון סיפטס, we'll see also that there's certain elements about miracles which are similar to the natural way. What does that mean? ועביר בו זה, so the explanation is this. There are two possible ways through which a person could acknowledge Hashem's absolute greatness through examining nature. One way is, you pay attention to the world, you contemplate how the world operates and how amazing it is. That makes it clear in my head that there has to be a supreme controller who runs this world. As the Rambam describes, when Avram Avinu was very young, he began to wonder, How is it possible that all these various elements that move throughout the universe are in play without someone controlling them? Who is that force? Because it's impossible for the universe to run itself. So that's one kind of meditation, which is I recognize by looking at the world that there has to be a controller. Bayes, then you have a different kind of contemplation, less common. You don't think about the complexity of creation, you think about the consistency of creation. You contemplate the consistency of creation, which is when you contemplate the fact that the natural order doesn't change. The sun always rises. These chemical compounds always produce that reaction. A person begins to recognize the fact that there is this perpetuation of nature, that the species keep regenerating themselves. That cannot be their own ability, their own power. Because they're all fundamentally short-term beings that are going to die and disappear. The truth is, when you really think about it, you also recognize that the divine energy that is invested within the world also isn't powerful enough to keep that consistent process running all the time. It must be that Hashem has embedded Ein Soif, His infinite self, into nature. That's why it keeps going without a stop. Which means that embedded in the natural order is the sense of that which is completely supernatural, that which has no end. That recalibrates for us the statement in the Medrash. When Hashem chose to create His world, he establishes part of the world, not only years, but also Rosh HaKadoshin. What they imply over here in this Medrash is, We're not looking at the world from the perspective of once it is created and locked into its natural systems. We're looking at the world from the perspective of Hashem's motivation and choice to make a world, which is very similar to Hashem's choice to have Jewish people. And from that high-level perspective, Hashem includes Rosh Chodesh, the possibility for Chodesh, 
the supernatural into the world. The world itself is a natural place, but Hashem's choice imbues that natural space with Ein Soif, that which is supernatural. Now, we already said that at that period of time, Hashem created the natural order. It's, it's, it's part of the creation, right? Why would you have to use such a strong term like Hashem choosing to create? Creation is a very kind of docile, understandable, manageable re- reality. Bukhar is some, something that is major, that is, that is uh, you know, shakes the core. And Abir Bozad's explanation is, that's exactly the point. Because Hashem invoked choice in order to create the world. And we know in many places in Hasidus that true choice relies on the essence being revealed, the deepest essence of Hashem. If you're looking from the deepest essence of Hashem, the natural, and that which is completely beyond natural, it's all a single theme. And therefore, within the natural order, you can experience that which is beyond the nature, the sense of eternity. Just as Hashem never changes, so you feel in nature, the systems never change. And now we understand why specifically the Medrash says that when Hashem chose to create the world, He imbued into the world not only years, cycles, but also Rosh HaKadoshim. The Shana is the Nase. The fact that the cycles keep repeating again and again and again and again, which is the unique message of Shana of a year, that in itself is a, sin, a sign that there is the miraculous, the supernatural within the world. So now that we've identified that within nature there is the absolute revelation and experience of that which is beyond nature, we'll find a similar reverse effect in the miraculous. You see, the limit of a miracle is that it is locked into being a miracle. It's outside of the reality of this world. And therefore it represents the part of Hashem that is infinite, beyond the world. The truth is that the truth is that when miracles happen, they actually change the world. They don't just break the world. They change the world. That now you will see within nature a sign that Hashem runs the world. So the sea splits. It's not some supernatural element that comes into the world to rescue the Jews. The sea, which is natural, now has built into its story something supernatural. The world is elevated. And that's why you get miracles that manifest through natural processes. Which also seem to be so paradoxical. Because Michad Gisar is a Neshelamayla On the one hand, it's a miracle. It is a miracle. Purim is a miracle. It's beyond nature. And in that way, the, that miracle has the same DNA, it has the same parameters as a miracle which is supernatural. 
Kiyam Sakdim, as we see halachically. Shemaborchim Brocha Achas De Sheosa Nisim, Hein Bechanaka Neis Sheinim Lubash Beteva, Behein Bepurim Nesam Lubash Beteva. We say the same Brocha to commemorate the supernatural miracles of Chanukah as we say to commemorate the natural miracles of Purim. In fact, Chazal tell us that it's specifically those miracles that are embedded and enclosed within the natural order, that those are the greatest miracles that only Hashem can identify. So what is a miracle wrapped up in nature? It's one of the highest kinds of miracles. And yet, in spite of the fact that it's one of the greatest miracles you could ever have, how does, how does it arrive? How does it present? Totally clothed within the realm of nature. And therefore, these are really powerful miracles because they illustrate that the miracle is there to show how nature is controlled by Hashem. Not to break nature, to elevate and to reveal to us the truth of nature. I know that means that even in the miracle which is completely supernatural, there is the characteristic of nature. What are we witnessing when we see a miracle? We're not just seeing the smashing of the rules of nature. We're seeing the elevation, the upgrading of nature to become miraculous. As a natural process that turned into a miracle. And that explains why Nisan is not only the first of the months, but it's the first of the months of the year. Because what is the goal of Nisan? Not to bring miracles to superimpose over nature, but to bring miracles to transform nature. To the point that eventually you recognize that the natural order is driven and powered by that which is supernatural. We can now very easily identify how Parshas HaChodesh fits perfectly with the theme of Tazria. As we already identified, the differences between HaChodesh and Tazria are quite similar to the differences between miracles and nature. Because HaChodesh is all about Hashem's input, which sounds like miracles. Totally outside of the realm of human experience, like a miracle. Whereas Tazria implies human endeavor, as we discussed at the beginning of the Sikha. That's very much about the human and the human characteristics, human nature, human personality, etc., which is very much like nature. So now when the two of them fuse together, and you have on the same Shabbos both Tazria and HaChodesh, that highlights for us that Tazria and HaChodesh are not different themes. They're identical. They both express the same concept of each one being a, an expression of Hashem's truth. When Mashiach comes, we'll see this quite openly. As expressed in the Pasuk that says, A man and a man, will will bring to birth. The first man that refers to Hashem, Hashem's input. Implying that we will see and experience the greatness of when Hashem takes lead. 
And yet at the same time, it will be like a male is born, implying the greatness of human endeavor that creates a lasting impact. Because when you fuse the two realities of the natural and the supernatural, of mysterious nefesh and experiencing our Judaism, of the input from Hashem and the input from humans, when you put that all together into a single dedication to Hashem, then you have both benefits. The highest input with the most lasting value, which emits Hashem we should see with the coming of Mashiach now.